Welcome to the Outdoor States Podcast. As an outdoor rec economy advocate myself in the state of Vermont, I've been having conversations with people around the country about this topic for the last several years, and, and repeatedly I'm just blown away by how interesting these people are, how insightful they are, how passionate they are on this topic. So I decided to make a podcast. And yeah, I'm going to admit it's not going to be the best audio for every call. And yes, this is a little low budget and definitely a desktop publishing job. But I think what's really important here are the people that are on the phone. They have a remarkable passion, uh, incredible local perspectives, and, um, and are really willing to share what they're doing so that we can all learn from it. And today on the show, we have Tom Evans from the state of Utah. He is the Director of the Office of Outdoor Recreation at the Utah Governor's Office of Economic Development. And that is a super long title, but um, he's a super great guy. He's, a, he's an outdoor industry veteran. Uh, he's been on the case in Utah in the Governor's Office for the last three years. And he's got a great perspective on where his state's going and how that incorporates into where the country's going. You know, so I did a little... Uh, mild internet research on your bio I, you know i knew you've been at petzl for a long time in the trenches of outdoor retailer but i didn't know you were a ski instructor a horse packing guide and a climbing guide i mean you've you've definitely paid your dues in in the outdoor in the the utah outdoor scene what's um what at this point where you are now what what is how is outdoor recreation defined in utah right now you know the cool thing about recreation, you talk first, you're thanks for having me. This is super fun to be able to do this. Um, you know, the, the thing about Utah, recreation is defined so differently. But the one common denominator as you travel around the state, because you might be crack climbing in the desert, you might be, you know, as we say, skiing the greatest snow on earth um, here in, in uh, the Wasatch Range, or you might be water skiing at Bear Lake. You know, there's, it's so diverse, but Everything that we do across the state has outstanding people trying to help run and keep these entities going and the recreation maintain and sustainable. And, and they do recreation really well. I think that's the common denominator. There's a, 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 a dedication to really high-quality outlets for people to use. And, and not just Utahns. We want to keep close-to-home recreation thriving, but you know we know it brings tourism dollars too. So you know, quality is really kind of top, top of my list, I guess. That, that's a great definition. And now you've been in your current role um, as a director of in the Office of Outdoor Recreation since 2016, right? Yeah, pushing just about three years now. So I'm coming right up on that three-year date. So and, um, I've had one, one person before me in the office, Brad Peterson, who was the first director for any Office of Outdoor Recreation in the country. And he was here for the first two years, and it's been fun kind of um, – taking the things that he built and expanding on them and, and doing new things as well over the last three years. So it's kind of interesting, you know, and the reason I, I sort of bring up that 2016 is, you know, I was, I was trying to get prepared for this conversation with you and was thinking in my own mind, you know, what were, what were really some of the big, the big things that happened in Utah that, that were likely happening because of this office and things like that. And one of the things that I thought about was, was when Amer Sports moved to Ogden. Um, but when I, yeah. but when I Googled that, I mean, 
that was 2006. I mean, that was, that's a long, that's 10 years before you took this current job and, you know, seven years before the outdoor recreation office was even created. Do you have a feeling, I mean, obviously you weren't in the seat at this point, but how did, I mean, really that's a, you know, that's a huge success story. I mean, there's a case study out on it from OIA. Um, something that I read early on was kind of blown away. Was that really kind of the, the success of Ogden, what led to the creation of the Outdoor uh, Recreation Office in Utah, or, or, or was it just part of it? You know, I, I will say it was a, a major part of it. I won't say it was the key, um, and I'm totally drawing a blank here, but we've been fortunate enough in Ogden to have Mayor Caldwell for the last few years and his predecessor, who I, I feel bad I'm forgetting his name, um, kind of before my time, but they were 100% dedicated to outdoor recreation and the economy and the community that it brings. And if it weren't for those two gentlemen and their staff, because they have some amazing staff, um, if it weren't for their combined efforts, I don't think Ogden would have been able to bring Amherst Sports in. And they really have redefined what Ogden is as a city. And that's what it took for Amherst to come board. I think Outside Magazine said it best. It's like, I think it was about a 10-year span. They said, you know, one of the best ski resorts in the country is Snow Basin, but the problem is you have to stay in Ogden, right? right? And 10 years down the road or whatever it is, they came back and said, no, wait, Ogden is like the outdoor mecca. It's one of the best ski towns in the country, and you get a great ski resort too with it. So, um, you know, I got to get take my tip of my hat to the mayors, um, but back to your point of Amherst Sports, I mean, they've really helped to bring great brands, great people, and their sense of community has bled out all over Austin, too. So you see their staff, you know, out on trail cleanup days, helping to build infrastructure, promote infrastructure. Um, just a, you know, great partnership has been pretty much a textbook. It's been a textbook partnership in Austin. Yeah, a case study partnership. I mean, it was, you know, it was 230 employees. It was, you know a big nut both for the city of Ogden and the state of Utah, you know, some significant incentives, um, you know, with, with the condition that the, the company had to stay for at least 10 years and, you know, they're blowing right past that. But I, I wonder, you know, back to the question of like how the outdoor recreation office in Utah got started and what fueled it. Um, it's it certainly, I don't know, it makes sense in my brain that, it, you know, people would have waited to see how Ogden shook out before they would commit to this as a statewide strategy. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, were you were you paying attention to it at, the, at that point? And was that ask for such sizable incentives a, a big ask at that point? You know, the beauty about Utah and their incentives program is it's not the incentives program that you see on the late night shows where they're making fun of these states that are just giving money to, for people to be there. Ours is a kind of a put your money where your mouth is type um, incentive. So it's based on your tax returns and your income. You don't get any, um, you don't get our ed tip, which is our economic um, development tax incentive fund. You don't get that unless you prove to it in your taxes that you did what you said you're going to do. So <clears throat> yes, it was an investment, but it wasn't just like, hey, here's a welcome gift, thanks for coming to Utah, but it was one that really showed partnership. Like, hey, if you guys can meet these numbers, we're happy to support you. And and the beauty about um, Armour is it really comes full circle because we just had a press release a couple days ago last week that Armour had, they were looking at all the major cities you can think of in the country for their distribution centers. You know, we're looking at 
you know, prime competitors for Utah. And after about a year and a half of lots of hard work, but from Tom Wadsworth and our economic development team, you know, the mayors, the folks up in Ogden and Amr themselves, they had just signed an agreement to stay here um, and expand their distribution here in Utah. So it was a, it was a big win to add to that kind of story. It, it really was, you know, in that, in that case study, there was this quote, um, and I think it was from the mayor of Ogden. And the quote was, we used to have a blight of deteriorating rental homes and neighborhoods. Now young families seeking a vibrant outdoor lifestyle are buying and restoring these worn out properties. When you're a homeowner, you're much more vested and engaged in the community, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, it seems so obvious now, but honestly, in 2006, the idea of focusing on year-round outdoor recreation businesses and residents, as opposed to just making it a tourism-based thing, was really, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, a, it's remarkable in my mind how far ahead it was. F- fast forwarding to where you are now as, as, as the director in the Office of Outdoor Recreation, how, how are you building on that sort of tradition of success in Ogden and other places in the state? And, and how would you define your job or describe it to somebody that maybe you just, you meet on the street or on the, on the chairlift up at the mountain, um, who has no idea that there even is an office, and they ask you what it is that you do. You know, so, so kind of two questions there, and, and pretty pretty fun to look at and look back. But if you do look at Armour, you look at Browning, you look at Petzl, you look at Black Diamond, um, I know I'm missing some bad, Rosignol and their whole group. I mean, these are big businesses that have continued to expand in Utah. So Armour helps to tell that story for Ogden, without a doubt. But Rosie's telling it for Park City. Petzl and Black Dimer are telling it for Salt Lake. Browning is telling it for Morgan, which is this wonderful, sleepy town right at the base of Snow Basin. And, uh, you know, they very much help our office. So the Office of Outdoor Recreation, we're responsible to do four things. One is, is um, influence, help to direct policy. Um, we're, help, we're here to work with corporate recruitment. Um, which means, you know, helping Amr decide to stay here. Um, we're here to build infrastructure, uh, recreation infrastructure. And last but not least, we're here to inspire Utahns, especially youth. That's in our statute, especially youth, to get out and appreciate recreation. So when somebody says, hey, what's your average day like or what do you do? My answer is typically if the word recreation can come into a conversation, our office can get pulled into it. So it's uh, it's quite diverse and there's really – no data is the same. I mean, today we're doing a podcast, and for the last couple of days I've been working on um, direction for the state if we have a government shutdown. So, you know, hopefully, luckily that last one doesn't come up that often, but when it does, you know, it means another diverse thing we get to do. Well, hopefully the podcast is more fun than that other project. That's my sincere hope. So what is, what is, can you talk a little bit about the shape of the outdoor recreation office that you're a part of it's it's a part of the governor's office of economic development correct it is so um we were the first office of outdoor recreation we put in place about five years ago and i think it's important to point out that it takes a while for offices to figure out if they if states figure out if they need this office and how this office will meld into you know the rest of government and five years prior to us Starting this office, we had um, an outdoor industry cluster which just paid attention to the brands. And <clears throat> what we realized over those five years 
And it's the reason why we play such a big role in the state is that it's much more than just the manufacturers and the retailers are here. It's all about public lands and access and advocacy and creating sustainable areas and helping to educate our youth. So we're in the Office of Economic Development, but we and we work with those within those borders and try to help bring people to Utah, but we also work with our state park partners, our national park partners, our Bureau of Land Management, um, and even health and wellness folks, uh, you know, our local health providers and, um, and lots of advocacy groups and associations in the state. So we're, we, we, we are the biggest office of outdoor recreation in the country. We're listed as a $12.3 billion industry that has almost 140,000 jobs and we have four people. <laughs> so, I mean, you kind of, you got to do the math there, right? It's like when you look at, if you've ever read the Toyota way, they talk about lean management. There is no leaner management in the world <laughs> than an office of outdoor recreation. Yeah. You guys each get $500 million worth of businesses. Um, so, <laughs> right. so you have four people. And so in the, in the office of economic development, are there, are there other offices in addition to outdoor recreation specifically? Yeah, so we work quite a bit with um, our EdTIF program, which again is our, is our Economic Development Tax Incentive Fund. They help with corporate recruitment. Um, we also have our Rural Development Office, which helps rural businesses um, get in play, of course, in rural economies and rural counties. And, and we work really closely with them because not only are they helping to incentivize businesses to move there, and, and we'd love to see more outdoor businesses move to rural Utah, Right now, there's not a company that says "made in Moab." Like, is there a catchier phrase out there? Right. But we're working on we're working on things like that, um, as well as with the rural development to to bring recreation infrastructure projects to communities to say, "Hey, this is not just about your economy. This is about parents wanting their kids to live a healthy, active lifestyle along with them, and ideally, kids staying in those communities, or at least maybe going to college and coming back because." I've never seen more grown men cry than when they talk about how their kids left their rural town but came back because of the business or whatever it might be. And quite often, um, it revolves around their recreation amenities that have grown up in those communities. Yeah, that's great. So you have four people that you're currently, or, is, or you're one of the four, I assume, um, that, that, are in yep. the, that are in the department. Was that how the department started in 2013, or was it was Brad a solo flyer at that point? No, fortunately, Brad, and this is something we encourage all other state departments or states looking at this, is you, you have to have somebody in the office, without a doubt. So Brad was fortunate enough to have Tara McKee, who is a rock star and is still with us. Um, and so she was able to hold down the fort and do all the inner workings of the office and things that needed to be kind of moved around through the internal system. And Brad was very much a sales rep for an outdoor company. I mean, he was in a car, on the road, eating in the car, sleeping in the car, you know, trying to recreate on the side, but visiting counties and, and uh, you know, state officials all over the state, trying to show who the office is, what they have the ability to do, and, and to find those partners that, um, you know, there, there's some resistance. A lot of people are like, oh, no. This, this outdoor recreation guy is going to come and do things we don't want to do. or going to bring tourism to our sleepy town. We don't want tourism. And, and that's not what it's about. I mean, he went there trying to tell people, like, we are here to help you how you want the help. If you want to bring tourism, we'll help you. If you want to just create a better community for your residents, we can help you do that too. So, 
And w- that's super interesting. So he, he started out even leaner than you are now. And in your recollection, were the were his marching orders from the governor at, at that point different at all from what you are hearing from the administration at this point? Yeah, they were different. I mean, Brad's goal was really to get out there and talk to people about recreation and find out what they need and let people know that we're in existence. Because he did such great work and was out there, we've been able to, since then, we've been able to get a grant called the Utah Outdoor Recreation Grant, which gives us $5 million every year to put into recreation infrastructure projects. So, so now our office has these relationships. We can go down and talk to these county commissioners or these tourism directors or whoever it might be, and, and they know who we are, but we can go with them now with money in hand and say, hey, we want to help you build this um, climbing park, or we want to help you build these mountain bike trails or this boat marina or this shooting range. And, you know, we're arguably probably the most competitive and most sought after grant program in the state. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, you know, we're working on a very similar, albeit significantly smaller grant program. And it's remarkable the uh, how excited people are about it. So this the, the Utah Outdoor Recreation Grant, you said it's $5 million a year. Where, where does that money come from again? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, the money comes from a transient room tax. So when you come to Utah and you spend 100 bucks a night at a hotel, we get 30 cents back. So it's a blip on the map. Most people don't even know it's there. And our hoteliers collect it and then they send it in with their taxes and then we take that. So we, in theory, could make a lot more money than that. But they did. The one limitation they had to start is they limited it to having $5 million each year. So, and what we've shown, so I love that you guys are working on it. Maybe you have a smaller one, but what you're going to find and hopefully will help other states and you guys to to show you need more is, is you'll be able to show demand. You can say, hey, we had, like last year, for instance, we had we gave out $4.2 million, awarded 58 grants, but we had almost 90 applications. Wow. So we could show that, hey, there were millions of dollars we didn't, weren't able to fund. Um, legislator, what would you like to do? This was your county. We couldn't fund it because the competition is so stiff. So hopefully we'll see more funding come our way and, and other states will see the same thing. And so the grant program, it's um, the grants are, I mean, you're giving them out to multiple recipients um, based on a number of criteria. How how long ago did the program start and, and were you in the office at that point or was that pre-you? Yeah, so we started it with $500,000 from a, a state-based fund that's within GOET. And that started, I came in right in between that program. So Brad and Tara started that, but but what really moved the needle for us is the second year. We got legislative funding for a million dollars to do a, a true pilot program with um, legislatively appropriated funds. And that million dollars was gangbusters. That first year, we had 100 applications. We awarded, you know, roughly 40-something. And we leveraged our money uh, six to one. So we said, hey, you guys gave us a million dollars. We just put, you know over $6 million of infrastructure in because residents want it. They want to see the recreation infrastructure built in their communities. And uh, those figures really help legislators to, to add the new transit room tax and to give us the $5 million. And I've had a number of legislators come back to me this year saying, hey, Tom, we need more money for maintenance. We need more money for youth education. 
where do we get it? And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help them find that because they're, they're starting to see the demand and the need for this for residents as well as tourism. When, when it was a pilot project, you know, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of heat on for a pilot project, right? You got to get it right. You got to, you know, have something that you can point to. Um, how did, obviously that probably shaped the criteria for what would make a successful grant. Um, and um, I'm sure affected it for a long time. What, what, what is the sort of ideal grant proposal that comes in uh, in that outdoor recreation grant program? You know, some of the best ones, and, and we just, this year, we gave out, we have an outdoor recreation summit, maybe the largest outdoor summit in, in the country that brings everybody together to celebrate recreation, talk about best practices, and, and we gave out these awards, the summit awards, and we had the best project of the year. It went to a project that was spearheaded by the Salt Lake Climbers Alliance. They partnered with the U.S. Forest Service, private landowners, uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints, REI, um, I know I'm going to miss some folks here. <laughs> Our water district. I mean, the, my point being is they had a project that was the largest um, trail system from a climbing organization to partner with the Forest Service. But it's a project that truly started back in 1988. The first letter went to the landowners back then. But uh, what they had done is um, Julia Geiser, who's the executive director of Holly Climbers Alliance, she finally was able to put this puzzle together and bring everybody to the table and find some laws that protected the landowners but allowed them to lease the property from them and, and to have climbing. And the beauty about it, they built this awesome trail, had amazing partnerships, but because it was forest service, um, the trails were made for everybody. So it wasn't just your standard climbing trail where it's, you know, the Neanderthal, the car going to me here, rock there, and go straight up a gully, right? They made these beautiful low angle trails that are wide that everybody can walk on. And it, it, it's a gift to the community and not just to the climbing community. So that's why it won project of the year. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's fantastic. It's interesting. I, I think, um, and I know you see this all the time, but with projects, with initiatives, all those things, there are so many advocates for it. But at the same point, everybody sees it through their own lens. You know, those hardcore climbers yeah. want one thing and, you know, the horse packers want another thing. And, and, and I think, I mean, fortunately, you were able to kind of spread the money around in enough places. Hopefully you could appease all the various constituencies for sure. Uh, I like that. You, so at your Utah Outdoor Summit, every, every year you do an award for the, the best um, grant proposal. Yeah, so this was the first year we do, we've done awards. We, and so, um, we, of course, we had to do the best project of the year. So Yeah. So we, we do three other awards, too. We do um, a sustainability award, a corporate responsibility award, and then an economic impact award. And they're all very unique, but uh, we gave out four awards this year, and we'll continue to do that next year. So they're, they're, it's really fun and a great way to, you know, recognize. I mean, one, one winner for economic benefit, which beat out, you know, Lifetime Products who made this new, like, Yeti S cooler, but made it $100 and phenomenal right they put a whole production line in hired a bunch of employees and they took second place to the joe's valley bouldering festival which is a festival that has really brought life to the town of orangeville which is historically a coal town an extraction based town and uh, have shown that hey recreation can play a major role in um in your economy here and they and they won 
economic impact awards. So it's really fun to see groups that most people don't know about getting awarded and some recognition. And so that the summit that's held uh, in October every year, was that, you know, it's kind of a chicken and egg conversation. Did the summit start before the grant program or the other way around? It did, yeah. The summit started before, and the summit now has expanded. We hit about, you know, 450 to 500 people at the summit. And um, it's really about, you know, celebrating successes and some wins, bringing lots of people together to talk about best practices. And, and it, it addresses lots of different um, kind of user groups or customers within the outdoor industry. So this year we, we had educational tracks for health and wellness, economic development, policy, outdoor industry, and then planners. So if you're a trail planner or community planner, so you could be there for three days taking educational tracks that just appealed to you, or you could cross over and, and learn about other avenues. So it's, it's a fun, fun event, but sucks. It's a huge time suck for our office. <laughs> and do you, for, for that event, do you guys um, sell sponsorships to help, help offset costs of hosting? Yeah, so virtually nothing comes out of our budget. So we uh, we have sponsors. Some of our sponsors this last year um, was Intermountain Healthcare, um, Vista Outdoors, REI, Outdoor Industry Association, Black Diamond. Um, we have a laundry list of sponsors. It's quite good. That's great. And so, you know, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, you know, a, a good event is is kind of a key element for this outdoor recreation office recipe. Another one is sort of your advisory committee or advisory panel. And I was looking, uh, did a, once again, a little bit of, you know, half speed internet research and saw that you have a, an advisory committee of about 32 people, um, which is, which is pretty sizable. And I'm just wondering how, how, how does the office interact with that group? Are there regular meetings or, or is it just at the summit or, or is there something else? No, that, that group, Oh, hey, Drew, I'm getting a ton of echo. Are you getting that? Uh, I'm not getting an echo, um, but... Uh... Okay. As long as you're not. <laughs> uh, so our, our advisory committee, uh, we meet quarterly, which is very structured. We kind of go through um, the highlights we want to share. We hear from the advisory board as well. And, and, of course, we use them to advise us on our initiatives, whether it's the summit or the grant or whatever it might be. But the beauty about having that board is it gives you the access to those folks all year long, right? So we use them in a number of different things. They might present at the summit. We might just call them to figure out what to do if the government shuts down. So we have some National Park Service folks there, and, and those are great liaisons. And, you know, hey, the outdoor industry, the trade show is moving, or Interbike is canceling. We'll pull on the ears of those folks that are in the outdoor industry that are on our board and talk to them like, hey, what's next for Utah? How do we react to this? How do we best support you as a, as a, as a state? Um, to make sure you're, you're, you feel still valid um, in this sector for take advantage. Take an example, Interbike, I had somebody call me uh, just this week and say, hey, Interbike's canceled. We didn't. We were going to do Interbike instead of the Taipei Bike Show. Now we really want to be in the Taipei Bike Show, but it's sold out. So we're trying to figure out you know, how can we best support them in, a, in an event like that. So um, lots of... Uh, Lots of collaboration, lots of kind of, I guess you could say, co-support. We're, we're there to help each other out. Is, is there a Utah office, or I'm sorry, a Utah um, Outdoor Business Alliance or any sort of um, private sector group that's sort of paralleling the, the work that you're doing at the state? 
Yeah, so there's two, and that's having worked in the outdoor industry for you know the last almost 25, 30 years. As being in this role, one of the first things that I knew is Utah needed some associations because there's going to come a day that the I'm in the governor's office that I'm not going to be able to see eye to eye with the industry, right? The governor might not see eye to eye. And so we've really encouraged those folks to create associations. So there's two associations now. Um, Doug Owens, the executive director of Utah Outdoor Partners, and that association is strictly businesses that care about the outdoor industry that are not outdoor industry businesses. So you might have Adobe on there, Goldman Sachs, like folks that have said, hey, we're, we're, we're big players in the economy. We bring a lot of jobs, and we bring them because we want this wonderful access to recreation. So there's that one, and then there's the Utah Outdoor Industry Association, I believe is their new name. They're tweaking the name, but that is the one that kind of mirrors an OIA of Utah. Yeah, and it, it seems to make sense. And so that's their kind of, they're, they're evolving still, is what you're saying. Yeah, they're evolving, so they're kind of going through um, all their rules and guidelines and bylaws that they, they want to do and, and electing people. But um, they just had their first announcement a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I think they'll, they'll have another announcement uh, early 2019, so... That's great. And, and so, very much like the one in Vermont. There's one in Vermont too, right? What's that again? Are you still getting that echo? I'm still getting the echo, but I was going to say there's a, there's still one in Vermont, right? There's a, there is. Yep. We have a, the Vermont Outdoor Business Alliance and, and really creating it for very much the same reasons that uh, that you stated. I mean, you know, the it's great to have an off, you know, advocates and people within the state government, but you know, to unhinge it at a certain point and make sure you're, you're supporting key initiatives, uh, both in the private sector and the public sector, it just makes sense. And, you know, we, we certainly uh, don't have any shortage of people who want to lean in on the topic. And so it's a good way to kind of embrace things and, and build a constituency there for sure. Uh, well, you know, the beauty about these groups that I, I'll throw in there, Drew, is I having been in their shoes, you get so laser focused on selling whatever your product is and it's, it's often you get disconnected from the benefits that a state may have and even today um this bike company called and said hey we want to do the taipei show yada yada and i connected them with another state-based resource um that does grants for trade shows and right on the ground we just talk about those programs and sure enough this bike company this bike accessory company can take advantage of this grant so it's I think connecting those dots and putting people together is one of the most important things to do. How involved were you in terms of uh, Utah State University's development of their outdoor recreation major? I mean, it's that's something that all of a sudden I started getting emails about, and it has really been a, a, a bright spot just to see a school embrace that topic, um, launch initiatives. I mean, it's got to be something that you're pretty psyched about. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So. Utah State, their outdoor product design and development program is just one of eight universities in the state that have outdoor recreation degrees. So there's one university in the state that um, doesn't have the major that I think they should, but this one specifically for USU, I mean, it is all about creating designers for the outdoor industry. And you know, as a designer, you could go into lots of different avenues. You could end up being a buyer, a merchandiser, a number of different things, right? Um, But what they've done well is they've kind of mirrored their advisory board much like after ours but just got a ton of great players in the industry and uh you know they have everybody from 
Black Diamond, Petzl, Klein, Snowboard stuff, Burton, um, oh gosh, uh, Petzl, Black Diamond, Patagonia, OIA. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. They have a great board um, and they've given great direction. And so we didn't help create the program per se, but as a board, we've all worked together to create the curriculum and kind of the direction they're going and, and really to help uh, connect the dots to make them, uh, you know, kind of the, the program they are today. It's really, it's really pretty great and inspiring, and and I love the fact that it's at Utah State, you know, a little bit farther away from Salt Lake, and that kind of leads into a, a a bigger question I have about how how you're able to in your office as well as just with this effort balance the urban versus rural uh, equation in the state of Utah. I mean, almost every state has some sort of similar situation. I mean, we have it, we have it in Vermont as well. I mean, there's a, a ton of a ton of bodies in the Burlington area, but you know when you get farther away from that, um, the equation for what success looks like really changes. And I'm just wondering if you have any um, uh, tips or advice or anecdotes in terms of how to how to sort of keep that rural part of the equation moving forward. You know, it all depends on kind of which statutory requirement you're looking for from us. So if, if it's um, corporate recruitment and um, driving the economy that way. We really try to offer new businesses um, connections with rural communities. Say if it's, you know, if, if there's a bike company that comes to me, I am without a doubt always trying to send them, you know, to Moab or to St. George or to Cedar City or even to Vernal where mountain biking is really popping up so they can tell kind of their corporate story and say, hey, we live, you know, the products that we sell. So that's one way. But then when it comes back to our grant, which we talked about, we give nearly 65% of our funding to the rural community. So they get it. They know that we're working hard for them and that we try to help them create the best grant program, grant applications possible. So a lot of it is, and you know, last but not least, when it comes to our summit, most of our summits have been in rural communities. And I mean, the last community we were in was Midway, Utah, which, you know, we brought, we, we, we boost the population by 20% for the <laughs> three days we were there. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, Vernal, that's great to be able to get people out there and um, that all resonates a ton. What about, here's another question for you. How does, you know, obviously, you you know, you're doing all this work in the state of Utah, but you're also traveling outside Utah. You know, you're, you're speaking at events around the country. Um, you're obviously a very transparent and, um, you know, sharing person in terms of this. How does, how does helping and assisting people like me, people like other podcasters, people that you're speaking in front of, how does that help you uh, achieve your goals for the state of Utah? You know, it's, a, it's a great question. And people ask that. I, I just came back from Hawaii where I was speaking at the Western Governors Association. So some people are like, oh, that was a really tough week there, right? <laughs> um, but what it does is, especially out west, I, I'll use WGA as an example. You know, there's a number of states here that still don't have the officer. They don't know where to put it. They have task force that are working on it. And we all have very similar strengths and weaknesses here out west, right? There's a vast amount of public lands and, and learning how to deal with them uh, constructively and creatively, it's the benefit of having those offices. And, and yes, if we hire, if we help to hire somebody in Idaho or they can compete with us, so corporate recruitment, with, without a doubt. But at the end of the day, you know, we're showing people, hey, here's how the office should work. And I think what it does is, 
you know, a lot of people say, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, and, and we spend so much time in the mountains out here. I say many rocks make a mountain, and the more of us we have, the more we're going to show the strength and the influence of the outdoor industry and the economy. And it, it's so much more than what we hear at the trade show that, hey, we're pounding our chest saying, hey, we're worth $887 billion. But what I value most is those the corporate values of a Black Diamond and a Petzl and an Amur and a Razi is to be out and take care of the places that we love to recreate on. And that, that's what I want to see moving into people's communities and showing that there's, there's greater value outside of selling carabiners or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, connecting the dots to stewardship is another one of those huge riddles that I think that we're all thinking about and trying to wrap our heads around. What is, you know, what is, what do you think? I mean, you've been in the office now a few years. You, you, you know where everything, you know, where all the pencil sharpeners are, all that good stuff. What is the... What is the the big opportunity that you see for Utah? Uh, not not just the West, but like in terms of outdoor recreation. I mean, you have a successful grant program. I mean, is it is it just keeping it all going, or is there is there a, a next big thing that that you have your eyes on? Yeah, so there's a couple things. I think um, the one that I'll I'll mention to you first is we're having more success, in it, and that's really trying to help create better stewards for the future. Um, we have, we used to have a grant called the Utah Outdoor Education Grant, and it was kind of dismantled when we got our $5 million for, um, various reasons, but, um, since then we've just created what we're calling the Every Kid's Outdoor Initiative, which is a list of 10 activities that we think every kid could be able to do in Utah, right? And the ones that hopefully break down economic barriers that some kids might have, like, a lot of people say, oh, skiing should be on that list. Well, we don't have skiing on there, but we have play in the greatest snow on earth. So you might be throwing a snowball to, you know, backcountry skiing and everything in between. And we want to make sure our youth are getting out and, and that we're connecting them with the right resources that make it affordable, help to educate them. So, you know, when they're going out with their parents, they can say, hey, dad, you shouldn't throw that trash down or, or you should stay on the trail and you know, just like recycling kind of worked a number of years ago, you know, we implemented into the fourth grade education and kids came home and said, hey, daddy, you can't throw that can in the garbage. It needs to be recycled, right? So we want to see kids leading the way and, and taking charge. And, and hopefully this outdoor, every kid outdoor initiative, which is going to be a bill this next legislative session, um, will lay, lay the groundwork for future grant programs to help us help pay to get kids out in the field recreating. That's fantastic, Tom. Tom, I uh, I really appreciate your time. I hope uh, hope I didn't take too much time away from your uh, your bureaucratic paperwork, but uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, I hope we uh, we we can do this again sometime. Hey, Drew, I'd love to do it. And I'll, I'll tell you this: I know my peers in other states are happy to do these, and and they're in the they're on the same page. They're really happy to help other states um, create the office, and you know, help everybody kind of find the value in, in their economy as well as their communities with outdoor recreation. I know I, that sort of was one of the reasons I started the whole thing is because everybody I talked to is just so into talking about it and wanted to share. It just seems like a, a good opportunity to capture some of these thoughts, uh, you know, for posterity. Without a doubt, right? Michigan's new on board. So they're, they're a great new voice and you can have anybody as seasoned as myself or Luis in Colorado to, you know, to folks in Michigan that are just starting it up. Thanks again, Tom. Happy holidays. Hey, same to you, Drew. Take care and uh, have a good holiday. All right, take it easy, man.
Outdoor States is a production of Pale Morning Media. Music by Chicky Stoltz. Thank you.